0: It's not just about your one idea, your one moment that you're like, aha, I'm going to do this. There might be something hidden in what you did every day and what makes you happy that you can create this wonderful opportunity from. And that's exactly what we did.
1: Welcome to The In Factor. I'm Rebecca White, and today I'm excited to have with me Ryan Conigliaro, a co-founder of Salt Block Hospitality Group right here in Tampa, Florida, where I'm located. So Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really looking forward to today's conversation.
1: Yeah, so we were talking just a little bit before we got started. You and I crossed paths a few years ago when your company kindly uh, supported one of the programs uh, that we offer at the University of Tampa with some food on a weekly basis. It was a wonderful partnership, I think you said, that came from a student that we had that was working for you. So it's really fun to be reconnected, and I'm excited, actually, to learn more about your story today. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, you you hit the nail on the head. We we had a team member, as we still do. Uh, we employ many uh, many students at the University of Tampa here at Salt Block, and he was very involved in the Loth Entrepreneurship Center and uh, brought us in for lunch one day. He was part of the incubator program, which oh my goodness is that facility impressive? <laughs> and uh, we we took uh, some of those. Uh, design elements. And um, I think some of the uh, really the framework of what you have there from a conversational environment. And we, we actually took some of those elements and embodied them in our office when we were redesigning. So you were you were pioneers on uh, on design and creating a, a nice incubator. So my hats yeah. off to you.
1: Well, thank you for those kind words. It's uh, it's it's really a fun place to be, and as you pointed out, it's it's got a great vibe and a great work environment uh, for all of us. But let's talk a little bit about you and SaltBlock. So. Um, I think, are you a Florida native? I know you've got an Italian name, so <laughs> I'm very curious. Uh, tell us a little about your background, uh, you know, how you got to this point of, of being uh, in the hospitality space.
0: Yeah, so I am one of the few born and raised Tampa natives, actually. Wow. Um, so I was born in what used to be a small town about 20 minutes north of Tampa called Land Lakes. Uh, my other two business partners, believe it or not, are from, born and raised, the same town, uh, Atlanta Lakes, Florida. And as far as hospitality goes, that's that's been something that has been embodied in my household since day one. Uh, my dad worked for a successful hospitality group here in Tampa for 47 amazing years. Uh, Casper's company, they owned 70 plus McDonald's restaurants, Oxford Exchange, the the list goes on of, of businesses that that family is involved in. And my dad had a unique position for them. So he was the vice president of customer relations and what they called their friendly marketing department. So what did that mean in practice? that meant community involvement, going to events, and really being that face of their hospitality group. And I have two amazing older sisters. So naturally I gravitated towards my father and spending time with him. My sisters had each other. So I was with them at a lot of these events. And I think that the the interest in hospitality was really sparked, uh, sparked there.
1: Yeah, that's, a, that's a great story. You know, role models can make a big difference in our career paths. Now, thinking about entrepreneurship, uh, did you always want to be an entrepreneur? Was this something that, you know, as you were growing up, you, you thought, you know, Hey, I want to own my own business. Uh, i not going to work <laughs> for anybody else. Or, or did you find your way here by working for other companies?
0: Yeah, I think it's a good combination of both. Uh, you know, I was, so I grew up in this neighborhood that was 55 homes, and I was like the little businessman in that neighborhood. I, I had a seasonal business going year round. I would cut lawns in the summer, wash cars year round, um, pick cattails, do whatever I could do through throughout the year to make some money on the side, I kind of embodied that entrepreneurial spirit. There was always an opportunity. There was always a trade that I was willing to do with my time. That's always the trade-off. And, uh, you know, I think that along with working in the hospitality industry, and you'll see a, a common tone in something that really sparks my drive and our company's drive and what we do. And that's a passion for serving others and a passion for seeing others happy. And we're able to generate that through our business, which, um, you know, I I think once you make that connection, that's where entrepreneurship really thrives. So nonetheless, uh, I was the little grinder when I was a kid, always looking for an opportunity to make money. So I think um, that was something that was encompassed in who I was at a young age. And that drive opened many doors and opportunities in the future.
1: So you you started this almost 10 years ago now, right? Uh, in, tw- in 2024, I, in November, will it be 10 years? Is that right?
0: That is correct. So that's when we officially started SaltBlock as a real company. Um, I'm sure we'll see through the salt block story, you'll see we're making money on the side doing what we could uh, while working for other businesses. And when we decided to make that jump was 10 years ago in November that we're celebrating this year.
1: Okay. All right. And you did this with two other people. So tell us a little bit about how the three of you got to that. You said you worked for some other companies. um, And so, so you know, how did this all, how did this all work for you? Did you, did you go directly into work out of high school or did you go the college route and then some working and then start a business? How did that all work?
0: Yeah. So I graduated uh, from Land Lakes and had the opportunity to go to the University of Central Florida. Uh, my business partner, who was one of my best friends, lived across the lake from me growing up. He was also going to the University of Central Florida, so uh, we created a great friendship while we were there. I studied entrepreneurial business management and finance. I was a double major there, and he studied finance. Now, when you're in college, you look for ways to make money. So I uh, I was a financial analyst for a company called Aon Hewitt. Um, and basically, I was doing a lot of data entry work at the time and was making money to pay for school. But mentorship was also very big for who we were and who we wanted to be, especially in that industry. So Scott and I were both seeking mentorship and had this mentor who we really uh, give a lot of credit to connecting the dots between our passions and an outlet for business. Uh, we would go to his house, and he would be mentoring us about business. And while he was mentoring us, we would just cook and cook dinner, and we'd sit down and eat. And the way he tells the story is funny. Before, he was cooking with us, and by the end, he would just sit down and watch us cook and create a beautiful meal. Uh, But that turned into us cooking for clients for him. That turned into some gig work on the side. And you know, for us, it was such a fulfilling service that we were providing, like, in the finance industry, there's an intangibility to your end product until that final product comes to fruition. In food, you get an immediate gratification of service, like you, you can see the happiness that you're generating in that moment. And we didn't know it at the time, but we loved it. And what we loved at the time was we were making great money and we were working together and you know what we now know in the future 10 years later was we were laying the foundation for what would be our future business so that was my bus- my first business partner scott and i we did that during college made some money while we were still working our career paths what we thought to be finance graduated from the university of central florida and started working in the finance industry for a financial planning firm in
1: Murfreesboro,
0: Tennessee, which is Southeast of Nashville. And we were working there for about a year and a half and had the opportunity to open a local office for that company in Tampa. He wanted to expand, he had some clients down here, and that was his plan all along. Get us trained uh, in Murfreesboro and then make a move down to Tampa. So we moved back down here to Tampa after a year and a half, and you'll see that was Scott and I.
1: So both of you were there. Both both of of us, yes. Yes. They hired both of you, and both of you moved there, and then both of you came back. Wow.
0: Exactly. We we embody a pretty close friendship, uh, Scott and I. (laughs) And nonetheless, we moved back to Tampa, and we were getting to be a part of the community. My father was a great mentor in that, opened a lot of community driven opportunities for us to go get involved, get involved in different nonprofits that had always been a pillar of success that was in the business he worked for. And he ingrained that in our heart at a very young age, getting involved, volunteering, giving back. So that's what we did, you know, servant leadership. We came back to our community. We met others in the community via these wonderful nonprofit events. And during that time, we were also cooking dinners for clients. We were loving doing it. That was our client acquisition strategy. It was very natural. It was very relationship driven. And we kind of had this epiphany moment where it was after a, a dinner that we had done, And we sat there and we said, we, we think we really have something here in our food business. People are very interested in it. Uh, We're starting to read more cookbooks, getting evolved into the hospitality industry. And what we saw was in other markets, there was this progressive food scene for restaurants. That was like the spark of it 10 years ago, chef-driven restaurants. You started seeing big names start being more progressive in what they did. But Tampa, 10 years ago, there was nothing even on our river walk. There was such an opportunity for retail and for hospitality. So we saw an opportunity and said, look, what is going to fulfill us two years, five years, 10 years down the road? What are we truly passionate about? And it was a no-brainer for us. So we decided to make a shift in what we were doing and really take off. And that was 10 years ago, and make that jump into hospitality. So naturally, and I think that's something that entrepreneurs sometimes uh, miss, it's not just about your one idea, your one moment that you're like, aha, I'm going to do this, there might be something hidden in what you did every day and what makes you happy that you can create this wonderful opportunity from. And that's exactly what we did.
1: Yeah. There there are so many things in there I'd, I'd love to sort of unpack and talk about a little bit. You know, uh, yeah. you know, we talk a lot uh, uh, with with startups about trying to find an, a minimum viable product, like testing your product, you know, yeah. taking it to a farmer's market or, you know, putting something online and getting people to give it a try. And so for a number of years, really, you tested this model, right? As a, And yes. and you're not the first person in hospitality that I know of that started this way. I had a, a really successful cookie company on, and she started by making, she was in uh, radio sales, and she started by making cookies for her clients. It was just something she enjoyed doing. People loved them so much, It, it she turned it into a business and got really successful with it. So, um, you know, that, that's number one, that idea of a minimum buy a product, testing it out. Number two, this idea of a gig. You know, we live in a world now where there are so many side hustles, so many people I talk to, yes. so many entrepreneurs. Um, it used to be, you know, we recommended to everybody jump in both feet, give it everything and see what you got. But now we kind of live in this world where you can try something out and hundred percent Yeah so um, so you all had this gig thing going for several years and you had this great partnership with the two of you. So I'm curious about you brought in a third partner and when did that happen and how did that happen?
0: <laughs> yeah so well just just to touch real quick on what you said the environment for entrepreneurship, has never been such a low barrier to entry in what you just mentioned. Like it took us a while to figure that out the gig economy, service based work uh, that you can launch with an MVP. But now there are so many opportunities to do it. And that's why you're seeing so many great companies start popping up because you're right. The, you can incubate and launch a company on an idea and test the market in this service based economy, in this. Uh, in this world where whether it's digitally or a service, you just need to get your product and get it out there and hear from your clients. That barrier has never been so low to jump in. So it took us a while to figure it out to your point. But um Well that, but no, is, that I
1: mean it took you the amount of time it needed to take, right? You know, that's what amen, it is. There you go. That, I mean, you're learning, that's the other thing, you know, we didn't talk about, but but entrepreneurship is always a learning journey. So I'm sure you're continuing to learn um as you go. As you go. So you have every, a you have a third day. partner, yeah. So tell tell us about your third partner and how that worked.
0: Yeah. So I think a major contributor to our business's growth has been us all having our areas of focus as a leadership group. So we started the business 10 years ago, and although my business partner, Scott and I, had a degree in finance and a degree in entrepreneurial business management, We were your typical, we are going to work our way harder than anybody else and just focus on growing that business. And that's what we did for three years. We decided that failure wasn't an option. And if we encountered it, that we would sit down, regroup and find out what happened and then be able to capitalize on that challenge in the future. And that's what we did for three years. We put our heads down. We said no to social events more than we said yes, we focused on our business if if there was an opportunity that we thought we could take on and execute, we did even if we were a little uncertain and pushed our limits for three years now then there was a a, a wonderful infliction point of our third partner he he's actually my brother in law. So he had been mentoring our business for a couple of years. And his background was, he was a CPA, who worked at uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers for the majority of his young professional career, and then started working in private equity. And he really understood the management and process side of working with high growth companies. My business partner, Scott, he's got a amazing culinary vision and operational mindset. And myself, uh, business development, sales, and being community forward, that's my strong suit. So we had this point, we were working really hard, but we didn't know what the next step was for our company. And our company finally got to a point where there was a either we were going to work as hard as we were for the rest of our lives in that service, or we had to take the next steps to really grow our business. And sometimes that's hard to do when you're in it. Not sometimes it is.
1: It's really hard to do when you're in it. Yeah, good point.
0: (laughs) And he had this outside view of our company and where we were. And I can tell you from what's happened from year three to year 10 has been a pure result of us three being really dialed in and growing our company.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's great, great story in there. And I think most companies reach that point. I mean, there's even some really cool models that look at the history and the growth and trajectory of companies. And most companies reach that point where they move from, you know, I can do it all to I need somebody who understands how to build a company. And exactly. uh, that's that's where you all were. And so I was going to ask, but you already answered that. Scott is your culinary uh, designer, if you will, because you both, you, I mean, you as well, I'm sure enjoyed that, but you both, um, had this vision for Salt Block at, through the work that you did, um, on the side. So tell us what, what is the concept, uh, for anybody that's listening and hasn't experienced salt blocks uh, SaltBlock, what is the concept and has that changed over the 10 years that you've been doing this?
0: Great questions. Um, so, Scott is our COO. So, what that scope is for a hospitality group is not only our operations from a warehouse and execution standpoint, but culinary operation as well. And your question on what's the concept and how has that changed over time kind of relates to answering that question. So, we When we entered this market, we saw an opportunity, as I mentioned before, for a catering concept that was more progressive, chef-driven. We call our concept thoughtfully crafted and creatively delivered. And for us, it was very simple. Food was an equation. Quality of the ingredients plus skill of the chef equals the final product. So we were very food focused on delivering in a catering environment, the highest quality food that we could in a catering model. What does that mean? We have an executive chef in a full culinary program. We are fanatical about the ingredients that we source and what is on the center plate and how it's experienced by the client. So. That was our driver. We wanted to be the scratch-made, innovative, chef-driven catering concept that focused on a high-end niche in the Tampa market. So that's that's where we came in. We were focused on it. We were being as progressive as we could within our limitations of business and how big we were. And that provided a lot of opportunity for us and ended up actually landing us some opportunities to be exclusive at some of these venue spaces. Now, when you're at a venue space, you need to make sure, actually, can I go back? Yes, I'm gonna of explain course. Way... I'm gonna explain way too much about our business. Um, I'm gonna just go back to the food being an equation part. Essentially, what the point I'm trying to get across is like, Eventually, what we realized when we took these exclusive venue relationships is you had to round out the opportunity. We couldn't just be we couldn't just cast a small net. We had to open up our scope of who we were to be able to take in varying client demands. So and again, I, I give this support and I give this um, I I give this decision very much so to Giovanni but we actually ended up purchasing another catering group that had been in Tampa for about 45 years that had two different levels of service that fit in the salt block portfolio so that we could have that rounded offering to Mm -hmm. offer clients. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's, that's really when you say, how did it start? And yeah. yeah. So,
1: so salt block is, uh, are you still exclusively catering?
0: Yes. So the way our business is set up today is we have wonderful relationships with some of the top venue spaces in Tampa. And we have a scope of services that we now offer those venue spaces. So we have our high-end niche, our salt block catering, our flagship. And then we also have varying levels of service, some that are more food service focused, some that might be a lower price point, like a barbecue service, so that all together, our hospitality group offers a range of services to the clients that we have in-bound business, to. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, um, so so a lot of things in there um, that I'd love to talk about. I think, you know, you said you acquired uh, another company, and that's a big step for a young company. <laughs> that was three years in. But growth through acquisition can be very powerful, um, if you've got the right t- team, and as you said, you brought in, is Giovanni the third partner? He is yes. the third partner. Okay, yes. so you brought in Giovanni to help you with that. Um, and so uh, curious about funding this business. I know you started it as a side gig, so I'm assuming you bootstrapped it at least for a while. Um, how How have you managed the growth? Have you uh, brought in any partner investor partners? Have you you know worked with bank loans? Uh, all of the above, uh, put in. I'm sure you put in uh, your own money and your own sweat equity. So, so how did you fund this? I think a lot of a lot of uh, you know early stage entrepreneurs would be very curious about that question.
0: Yeah, and look, I'm a huge proponent of MVP bootstrapping your company, especially in the beginning until you need that infliction point. Uh, we started this company. With two thousand three hundred and eight, We started this company with $2,384 that we put in a bank account, and we put that much in it because that's what we needed to buy from Restaurant Depot in order. Once we said, this is what we are going to do, we put that money in a bank account. Candidly, I didn't even have the money to spend. My business partner, Scott, did. We put it in a bank account. We bought everything that we needed in order to execute an event that we got contracted from. We did the event. We kept the $3,000 we made in a bank account and we used that to fund the next event. And when I say we put our heads down for three years, that's what we did. We put our heads down. We stockpiled as much cash as we could while controlling our costs and keeping our costs down as much as possible and inevitably in our business, one of the highest cost items is labor, so we were the labor. Um, our family, our friends were the labor. Uh, you know, We would call in whoever we could in order to make these things happen, and we kept that money aside. Now, we are very thankful for the opportunities that we've had, and we've actually never have needed any outside funding for our business outside of the two thousand three hundred and eighty-four dollars that we put in the bank account originally when we started Salt Block. But um Geo was a very strategic partner that we had brought on. And outside of that we haven't had to bring on any outside funding. However, we went through COVID. That that's just a you could have a whole podcast and we could talk for three hours about that. Yeah. Sure. Um there was two and a half years of our business where managing cash flow was detrimental to our business's success and if we ever would have had to take on funding it would have had to be during that time and luckily there were government programs in order to help with those outlier scenarios to our business but um, as a whole our business hasn't needed any infliction of capital Uh, That's all been through managed growth.
1: Yeah, I'm sure with the model that you have, that COVID was really tough because you weren't selling directly to to eaters. Let's put it that way. (laughs) You were selling (laughs) through venues, right? Uh,
0: Uh, Our business is gatherings. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes.
1: Now, did you consider during that time selling direct, since people were, you know, doing a lot of eating out, but but picking up food and that sort of thing?
0: So. When COVID happened, we went from servicing, what was the, I think we had like 10,000 guests across all of our events that we were servicing in February and had planned to do that in March across varying events. It's a big month for us. Uh, Our business is very busy from September to December and then January to May, major months for us.
1: Nice Florida weather, right? I mean, nice Florida weather. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) And March happened. And when I say revenue went to virtually zero, revenue went to virtually zero. And our model is very management heavy, just by nature of what we need to do. We're very top heavy. By nature, that's how the hospitality group operates. And we sat down, there was like a week of just uncertainty, we were actually at a catering convention in Las Vegas with a group of caterers when Mm -hmm. the NBA canceled their season. And that was the pivotal moment in events when everyone went, oh, my goodness, this is real in Mm -hmm. the hospitality industry. And we took the flight back to kind of lick our wounds a little bit and spent a couple days just in a weird headspace of trying to understand what was happening. And then we decided, hey, we're salt block. The decisions and challenges that we had to make to overcome challenges in the past are not going to be forgotten. And we're gonna sit down and we're gonna figure this out. My two business partners and I sat down in our office with two whiteboards, And we wrote down the assets that we had, we wrote down the environment of our business before, we wrote down the environment of our current economy, and we said, okay, this is what we have. This is how we service the economy in the past, given their needs. All right, people still need to eat. So how with our assets can we solve today's problem? And within 19 days of them shutting down the NBA, we had launched a meal delivery service with an online e-commerce website that you could purchase a week's worth of meals. So our business was in prep. We realized that we would prep food and we would send it out to be cooked or serviced on site. And we had a wonderful system for doing that. We had vehicles. In a time when people couldn't get toilet paper, we could order pallets of it. We had water, we had all these grocery items that we had access to. So we turned our model into kind of like an online shopping platform where you could get your meals that were oven ready and dishes that you just had to put in your uh, oven and not have to do any dishes. And you could get all your other grocery items for the week. They actually lifted the uh, restriction on delivering alcohol. So, we would deliver like margaritas, like Captain, like we just made it so fun. You could do taco kits and still have fun in your home. And, like I mentioned, that was 19 days after the NBA had announced that their season was canceled. Um, and I'm not saying that wasn't that was this major opportunity, but it allowed us to stop bleeding in a lot of different areas and. You know our part time team could have part time labor, our management team could be sustained through that time, so that was our our major shift and and how we accomplished it during that time yeah,
1: wow, and you and if I understood you correctly, you didn't have a lot of debt to service during that time, correct so
0: exactly which, just the debt to our employees to right. maintain their livelihood, yes, <laughs> yes,
1: which was big, which was big yes. That's, that is amazing. And what a great story. You know, there are so many, I, I did this podcast through the pandemic and there were so many really creative ways that companies kept going. And those were the companies that survived and thrived. And so I'm I'm curious, did you keep any elements of that uh, strategy after things opened back up?
0: Yeah, well, yes. So, well, a big thing, uh, The blessing in disguise that I think a lot of hospitality groups in hindsight, now that it's all 2020 would say, especially at our point, we were growing for seven years before that high growth. And when you go through something like COVID, you have to dive back into your numbers. And what we found is that's when we start started getting our team more involved in our numbers. And there was more ownership with those deliverables and we had more process so we could have more cost controls. We developed more KPIs for our team. So can I tell you that it was beautiful going through it and this wonderful opportunity? Absolutely not. It was challenging and hard in every single way and scary. However, in reflection, am I so thankful were those measures we put into place? 100%. Now, the service business, once a meal delivery business, once things turned back on, you know, we had to look at our capacity as a company. And although it was a good business segment for the time, where our resources were yielding the highest return was for our core business. And we didn't have the bandwidth or capacity to develop that line. So we shut it down and focused on our core business yeah, after yeah. that.
1: That makes a lot of sense. And I, I love what you said about the the opportunity to really um, fix probably some problems that were hidden by, you know, the revenue model that you had before. Uh, a friend of mine calls that the full lake theory. And he says, you know, it's like a lake. When the lake's full, you don't see all the crap on the bottom. But when the lake's <laughs> yep. empty, you, you can clean it out. And so I think a lot of smart companies realized that that was a good time to go in there and understand uh, their business model a little bit better and fix some problems that they had. So I, I'm curious about, you have, a, you have three people uh, three partners in this company. And yes. uh, um, so I'm curious about decision making. Did you um, did you have to sit down? I know you and Scott were very close. And I know sometimes that can be a blessing. Sometimes it can be a challenge. Um, <laughs> did you sit down? And of course, when you brought in your brother-in-law as well, and, and sort of deci- uh, talk about how you're going to make decisions, has it been kind of a natural thing? Um, you know, how do, how do you deal with that? Because some people don't deal with that partnership uh, uh, very well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there are horror stories and there are success stories in business partnerships, and I'm sure you're well aware of that as well. I think you need to vet your partners when you bring them on, like any relationship, and you need to have elements of communication that you all agree on. So for us, it does happen naturally, given Scott's family is like my family. We all grew up together. Giovanni is family. Um, However, if you say, what's that systematic uh, process that yields us being successful? I'd say a couple things. We empty the cup at the door, especially when it comes to decision making. And that means whatever is going on outside of the business, when we enter that room, we empty our cup. It also means we we leave our egos at the door. I think naturally, especially in entrepreneurship, when you have more than one, everyone might be very, I don't want to use the term emotional, but they m- might be very, um, excited. They have about. a lot of
1: enthusiasm and they passion. They got a lot of enthusiasm
0: and passion. There we yeah. go. Um, and you can bring that into a meeting and that's really important. However, when it when it comes to your ego in that moment, you have to realize behind it all, you've put trust in these other partners and the process in which you're coming to the decision isn't that everyone needs to agree Otherwise you might make really wrong decisions. It's actually to question one another. And if you trust that system, right? Leave it at the door. Trust that your partners are operating with the common goal of your business being successful. And again, all that has to work by having undeniable trust going into that room. And I think that's why it's important to filter who your partners are when you're going into business. And it's like any relationship, communication and relationship standards need to be communicated. And if you can agree on all of that, then the cultivation of those minds and the result is so positive because oftentimes entrepreneurs make poor decisions because they aren't questioned. Look, if I wanted tomorrow to go, if I was just a sole entrepreneur and I wanted to lead my ship in another direction into uncharted waters that we might not have done before, it could be a big hit. Or I could lead us right into a rock or an iceberg, but if I have two people and I trust them and I've already decided I trust them and they're asking me questions that are making me have to either confirm why I'm making that decision so you actually feel better about it. Or again, if you leave that ego at the door, you can say, oh, wow, that's actually a really good question. I didn't think about. Thank goodness you are my partner. And the end result is just so positive. So uh, that's how we make decisions. And we come together on major decisions, but then we have trust in one another to operate our own department.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, there's a lot of wisdom in that. And I think uh, that, you know, leaving your ego out of it is a, is a really important part and, and hard to do, you know, because everybody is passionate, especially if they've taken on the, the role of starting and leading a company, because it takes a lot of effort and a lot of hard work. And so you talked about mentors earlier and I loved, uh, I love that you got very involved in not-for-profits early on because that's something I always tell my students. It's a great way to meet people and actually sit around the table with people that you'd never get the chance to to work with uh, when you when you're willing to volunteer some time. Of course, doing that as in an early stage company can can be challenging too because you only have so much time. So, do you have any thoughts on mentorship and how to how to build a network? Um, kind of both of those topics um for anybody that's in in an early stage company
0: definitely uh well, if you're in Tampa and you're young, take advantage of all of u t s programming to get involved That is, i mean
1: thank you for the back, shout
0: out <laughs> no i I'm, I'm so serious i even you know i it is so amazing what the university's resources have at your fingertips, and I think oftentimes you don't appreciate that when you're in in college because it's so readily available so from the outside in uh um, it it really it really is amazing how much support universities have and the access that you have through university so wanted to start there um again definitely a um uh, a a uh, you can take that out I don't know what I was going to say but Definitely go through UT. UT is wonderful. That's a ton of resources. Yeah. Um, But outside of that, so to answer your question about getting involved in the community, and it is a balance of time because eventually your time is sacred and you need to know when to say no and when to say yes. However, fundamentally, when getting involved, there are many nonprofits that have subcommittees that work on major events in the area, and exactly what you mentioned before, you never know who's a part of those committees or whose businesses has representation in those committees. I was at one of our biggest opportunities that we had at Salt Block. I was at a it was like 7 a.m. breakfast called Education is Key at the Glazier Children's Museum, and I went To go sit at a table and learn about education and why it is key in our school systems and how it supports to child development. Certainly not in my core area of focus being a catering company. However, I looked at the events that were happening in the community, given my time availability, and this one I could hit. So I went to it. I sat down. Little did I know I was sitting next to the development director, who through conversation, I said I was starting a catering company. And she said, oh, can you service XYZ amount of guests? Candidly, and I'm sorry, Kristen, if you're watching this, we had never done that before. But I said, yes, of course, we can <laughs> certainly do that. Uh, and nonetheless, though, that provided six months down the road, one of the biggest opportunities and really launch points that we had, that became the Glazier Children's Museum in downtown Tampa became Our commissary, we were able to use their third floor kitchen and incubate our business there. And there's so much to be said about what that did for our business. And I'm only telling that story to say, it doesn't have to, you don't have to sit on the board and give all of your time. It's just effort to be a part of the community. And that has to be what you're doing at the forefront. Find something you're passionate about getting involved in when it comes to a community initiative and just go be present, be able to speak to who your business is, what your business is and what your purpose is, but then just be there to serve. And I'm telling you, it will pay dividends.
1: Yeah, that's such great advice. I think I think it was Woody Allen, you know, maybe not the greatest person to take it entrepreneurship <laughs> advice from, but I think he said uh, all the opportunities they ever got in life came from showing up, so uh, you know showing up <laughs> is important and and yeah. I love uh, I think it's really important to go with with a um, with a mindset of service, not just about you and what you're going to get out of it, but how can you serve and in doing so, you're going to build these relationships and there's a reciprocity there and, and they do pay dividends. So it's, it's a great lesson. And I appreciate you sharing that story. It's a great one.
0: Definitely. The, and there's too much in life that's transactional, I, I think. And if you're going there to fulfill your own cup, it's going to be noticed by others and it's not natural. So yeah. much of business and so much of our success has been in what you just mentioned, which is relationships and fostering real relationships. And if, if you go into those opportunities with a mindset of service, not one to find a way that you can fill your own cup in them, that is, um, that's a foundation for developing a good relationship. And exactly what you said, it's as easy as just showing up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been such a great conversation. I'm really curious, uh, 10 years in, uh, what, what's next for SaltBlocks? I mean, what are you looking at now? I know you're, I know you're, you're continuing to build and grow. And so what's on the horizon for SaltBlock?
0: block? Yeah, well, we're at a great place. We have an amazing management group and processes that is supporting our engine. And for us, it's a path down known roads. So we launched a farm and venue space about two years ago now that is fueling our product and produce, number one, from our farm, again, an attachment to ingredients, but also a venue space that operates... Um, consistently, and our, we're able to apply our resources to doing that. So um, that's been a great venture for us. I can tell you, our our goal, we've got a lot of opportunity in front of us. It's just continuing to be pioneers in what we're doing and being able to service our client in new ways. We hit those growth years. We incurred those growth challenges. I think for the next 10 years is having a vision on what's been successful and hammering down those paths. Uh, It's not necessarily any new model. It's, hey, we know the formula that was successful when we started, and we know the areas that our business operates well in. It's full steam ahead. In these avenues.
1: Yeah, that's so smart. And what a great strategy. I mean, obviously, you've demonstrated that you can go into survival mode like you had to during COVID. But but you've also uh, recognized when it was time to get back to your core and stay true, true to your strategy. And I love the farm idea, and the, or not idea, but I love the expansion into your own farm and your own your own venue. Again, staying in your core, but being innovative. Um, so it's, it's very smart and, and strategic.
0: Appreciate that. We, through our major growth years, we looked for ways we can horizontally grow. And I think that is good because you need to see what opportunities that you want to go down. But once you're able to kind of tighten that net back in and exactly to your point earlier, know where your cores are, that's a wonderful time in business because you feel so confident moving forward uh, vertically. So that's, that's that's what our goal is now.
1: Well, that's great advice. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. Before we go, I have to ask you, if you had one piece of advice, you've given us some really good um, things to think about and take away today, but if you had one piece of advice for an aspiring or early stage entrepreneur, what would it be?
0: If I had advice for an early stage entrepreneur, what would it be? You know, this might seem very simple. I would say sit down, write down what makes you happy, what unique skill sets that you have, filter that information to as much clarity as you can have, and then look for opportunities where you can shine given those skill sets and that passion. And if the skill sets plus the passion equal the business that you want to be in, full steam ahead, go for it and be confident that if you continue to overcome challenges and are doing something that you're passionate about, that is the biggest opportunity for success. It doesn't necessarily matter what the exact business is at that time because you're going to figure it out.
1: Yeah. That's great advice. I mean, that's an excellent formula. And you're right. I think it, you it know, never looks exactly like you think when you get started. So you have, to, you have to start with what you know and what you love and then figure it out along the way. So that's really great advice. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. Where can our guests find out more about Salt Block and connect with you?
0: Yeah, so you can check out our website, saltblockhospitality.com. There are links to our farm there and our catering division as well. Uh, we have our Instagram at saltblockhospitality.com. Or uh, you can find us on our website at com. There's a link to our farm as well on our website. Uh, or you could go to our Instagram at, at saltblockhospitality to see wonderful food photos and some of the amazing opportunities that we have a uh, opportunity. uh, How do I, how do I not know how to end this? Uh, (laughs) I guess I've never like given the website shout out. Um, You can find us on our website at saltblockhospitality.com, which also has a link to our farm or on our Instagram to be up to date on all the fun activities that we're able to be a part of at Hospitality
1: perfect thank you for joining me today ryan
0: of course have a great rest of your day thanks
1: if you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about entrepreneurship we would love it if you hit that subscribe button thank you so much for listening to this episode of InFactor.